Well, good morning, Stone Creek. Good morning. Hey, my name is Jason, and I am the care pastor here. And I tell you what, I've already heard a couple of people say how funny I am and how great of a guy I am and all that kind of stuff. Okay, look, hey, I'm supposed to get up here. I'm supposed to look like Stephen Gibbs. I'm supposed to preach like Joey McLaughlin, and I'm supposed to be really this funny guy, and I'm supposed to talk today about sin. All right, here we go. So, hey guys, my name is Jason. I'm the care pastor here at Stone Creek Church. I'm also a guy who just finished three years getting a graduate degree in clinical mental health counseling, and I've applied for licensure in the state of Georgia. Can I just say thank you so much? Thank you so much. Look, guys, I love our church and our community so much that I have spent my midlife crisis on an education rather than a sports car. So that's to tell you how dedicated I am. And you guys are probably wondering, okay, when is the game show going to start? When's he gonna hit it? This is just preaching today, okay? That's all you're gonna get from me. Um, You may wonder in 25 minutes if I can still preach. I'm gonna be wondering in 25 minutes if I can still preach, and maybe next week we'll go back to a game show. Uh, But I promise to preach my best if you guys promise to listen your best. Is that good? All right. Here we go. Hey, um, I know I haven't had a chance to meet uh, all of you guys, but I just want to give you a little bit of background on me and how I came to Stone Creek. My wife and I actually started attending Stone Creek Church in the year 2000, so we've been here for 19 years. Can you guys say commitment? Because 19 years ago, we got married and moved into a house in Roswell, and there was a flyer that showed up in the mail, and it was called Sex, Dating, and Marriage. And let me tell you, when a church sends a flyer on sex, dating, and marriage to a newly married man, I'm going to that church. And so we showed up, and then in 2004, right here in this very auditorium, sir, you're sitting in my seat, that's where I gave my life to Jesus, right here in this auditorium because of this church. No pressure, sir. Now, but then in 2006, I got the amazing opportunity to to go from corporate America, from some marketing and leadership jobs that I had into the ministry, and I joined the staff at Stone Creek Church, and I started to do a lot of things with our marketing and with our small groups, and then, gosh, over the course of the last 13 years, I've had a chance to wear many hats. I've helped us lead our missions department, helped start our leadership development program. I think I've cleaned some bathrooms around this place. I mean, there's a lot of things that I've been able to do, and over the years, the one thing that has really stood out to me is the ability to care for people who are going through life's hurts, habits, and hangups. And so that's just been a passion for me over the last five years. It's what led me back to go to school and to get this clinical mental health degree and to study counseling. It's the thing that I find most passionate about. It's the reason why I'm the chaplain for our city of Milton. It's the reason why I've connected us with care and counseling resources around our community. Because for me, there's no greater pleasure than to see somebody connect to hope in Jesus through care and counseling resources. Can I get an amen for that? Yeah, so that's what I hope to be able to bring you guys today is a little bit of that. And so I'm really excited to be able to kick off our new series, For the Love of God. In this series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be actually for the next five weeks walking through the book of 1 John. It's in the New Testament. And each week, it's five weeks, we're going to take one week, a chapter, and really dive in and do what we do around our equip groups. And that's to read, examine, apply, and pray. So we're going to be reading, examining, apply, and praying to figure out this thing about knowing Jesus as knowing the God who loves. So we're going to read about it every week in 1 John. We're going to examine it more each week, knowing Jesus is the God who loves. And then we're going to be able to apply it into our life, wherever we are spiritually, wherever you might be in your faith walk. You're going to be able to read and examine and then apply something from what we're going to be talking about into your life. And then we're going to be able to pray. We're going to take what we're reading, what we're examining and applying, and we're going to be able to pray, God, help this 
to change my heart and to change my life. And so I want to go ahead and uh, get started. Let's jump right in. If you guys want to open up your Bibles to 1 John. Um, and one other thing I want, uh, so 1 John, yeah, chapter 1, verse 10, page 591. You can also follow along Stone Creek uh, app. We have our stuff up there. And also on our website, stonecreekchurch.org forward slash current series. Each day, you're going to be able to go there and you're going to be able to find questions. You'll be able to find tools and be able to find resources for us as we're walking through this. So make sure you go to stonecreekchurch.org forward slash current series for some tools. So let's look at 1 John. Again, if you look at 1 John, I want to start in verses 3 and 4 where the Apostle John, he says, That which we have seen and heard, that which we have seen and heard about Jesus, we want to proclaim to you so that you may have fellowship with us, so that we may be in community together. And indeed, our fellowship is gonna be with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And that we're writing these things. This is what we need to pay attention to. I love, I love, I love, I love whenever somebody tells you, hey, this is why I'm writing to you. I'm writing to you because I want your joy to be made complete. I want your joy to be made complete. So when you see that word joy, the one thing I want you to understand is the joy that we have is supposed to be this, this vibrant and also just this, just this peace that we have in our life. And when you see that word complete, what I want you to think about in that context, they would have, they would have seen that word and they would have thought about like a fisherman's net like crammed full. There's no other space. And so everything in your life, it's crammed full with this joy that is complete. And so for us, I want you to think it's summertime, it's vacation time. So think about it this way, right? If you're going on a vacation, how many of you guys are going on a vacation, been on a vacation, thinking about a vacation, like wish you could have a vacation? Okay, those of you that don't have your hands up, I'm so sorry for you. You need a vacation, right? But you're thinking about a vacation, and so you cram your SUV full of everything in your house. Like you walk back in your house, and you're like, who just stole our furniture? Like where is it all? And you go and you look, and it's all crammed into your car because you're going on this vacation. And especially if you have kids, there's like stuff coming out of the woodworks. You're like, we don't have room for the kids. Like we are so crammed full in our car of all this other stuff. And so what ends up happening is this. Instead of joy in our life, what I see so many times happen, the people that are walking in the counseling office is, our life is so crammed full of stuff that we end up being crammed full of, of stress and anxiety and frustration instead of joy. We end up getting crammed full of all these other things that we're, we're anxious and we're worried and we're stressful about the things that are going to be happening in the future, things that haven't even happened yet. We're so crammed full of those things that we don't have joy in our life now. We're also so crammed full of things that have happened in the past, like we're depressed and we're sad and we're, we're lonely and we're shameful over these things that have happened in our past that we're crammed full and we don't have any room for joy. And so you've got to appreciate Right, when you're reading this, that John knew, he knew that there were these group of believers back in this place called Ephesus who were crammed full of doubts and confusion. See, what's happening here and why John is writing this letter from exile is he's writing to these people who they were crammed full of anxiety and stress and pressure. They were living in the midst of one of the best cities in all of the region. They had everything they could possibly want, but they were cramped because there were doubters in that area that had started to stir up all of these questions and all of these wonderings and all of these doubts. Did God really come in human form? Did Jesus really 
rise from the dead? Like, is Jesus really the son of God or is he just kind of a good prophet and, and sin? Hey, let's talk about sin for a moment. Is sin something that you really have to worry about or is sin, is sin just something maybe you just got to confess once and then you're good? Like, live for today, for tomorrow you die. Like, they're just stirring up all of this stuff and the believers are like, gosh, if, you know, if we could just have seen Jesus, if we could have just heard Jesus like actually tell us things, if we could have just touched Jesus, then maybe like our faith would actually be more. Like maybe then we would actually be able to withstand all of this stuff that's swirling around. And, and to the problem of like people were actually leaving these house churches in Ephesus. They were leaving the faith because of all this stuff that gets stirred up and the crammed full of stress. And it's not a kind, it kind of sounds like us. I mean, if you think about it, like if you go on social media for like 10 seconds, you'll see people that are doubting, they're doubting God, they're doubting Jesus. Was Jesus real? Does Jesus even matter today? Or, or they're giving you all these things that you should be doing, that you could be doing, that you ought to be doing to, to manage your own stress and manage your anxiety, manage your own stuff. And, and we kind of end up just like those people in Ephesus. We're like, hey, if I could just have seen Jesus, Right, if I could just hear him now. I mean, how many of you guys like me have prayed the prayer? God, talk to me. Give me the download. I promise, whatever you tell me, I'll do it. Right, just give it to me. We're just like them when we think about, gosh, if I could just see, hear, and know Jesus, then, then I may have this joy or this peace in my life. And you know, it's true. Like when we experience something, personally, we believe deeper. Or when we know somebody who's experienced something and they tell us about it, we, we tend to believe. And so here, here's the thing. I want us to think about these five weeks and today as we're going through this letter of 1 John. Like think about it like this. Like we're having the opportunity to be able to sit down and have coffee with Grandpa John. Our grandfather John, this wise, knowledgeable, 90-plus-year-old grandfather is sitting down with us over coffee and wants to give us everything that he's experienced and seen so that our joy may be made complete. Because let's face it, we love having coffee with people. Am I right? Like, you're like, I don't like that person, but if they invite me to coffee, we're going to coffee, you know? I mean, you've got people that are job interviewing over coffee. You've got people who are, you know, doing mentor relationships over coffee. You've got people who are doing eHarmony and Christian Mingle or Farmers Only over coffee, right? We're doing coffee. I mean, Starbucks up here on Bethany Bend is known as Stone Creek North because we love coffee so much. Like, we have put five baristas through college just from our staff's coffee consumption alone, right? We love, I would hate to see what would happen on a Sunday morning if we took away the coffee. Like, I would hate to see y'all, y'all would hate to see me. And I really would hate to see Joey, okay? So we love some coffee. And so if you think about this in this series, okay, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna have this coffee in this really cool space with Grandfather John. And what he's gonna wanna do, like a titan of faith, is give us everything that he has. It's just like us sitting down with like Warren Buffett over finances. And Warren Buffett's gonna download everything that he has over finances. Or like, or like Winston Churchill on, on military strategy. Or like Thomas Edison on like inventing and, and being an entrepreneur. Like, you know, Elon Musk. We can sit down with these people. And so here's, here's what I want you guys to do. Think of it right now. Other than Jesus and other than me, even though I know I have all this education, who would you want to sit down and have coffee with, dead or alive? Who would you want to sit down and have coffee with? Turn to someone next to you and tell them, ready, get set, go. Tell somebody next to you who you'd want to have coffee with, ready, set, go. And there's the game for you.
guys are so quiet. I don't know. I want to say my husband, but I don't know. I want to say my wife, but she talks so much. Right? Did I just, like, did I hear somebody over here say they want parenting advice from Kim and Kanye? Did I just hear that? You, you people are weird. Okay. All right. Right, so think about this for a second, right? We crave inside information. We, we love when we get the download from people. And here, I just want to give you guys a little bit of a backstory on John, okay? John is this guy who over 60 plus years has seen the rise of this movement of Christianity. He has seen things back when he was right there with Jesus. He's one of only three people who was the inner circle with Jesus. He was right there. He was able to hear Jesus whisper and reach out and touch the leper, and the leper was healed. He was able to listen to Jesus whisper, and some man got his eyesight back. He was able over 60 plus years to watch this rise of this movement and to watch as the Roman government tried to crush this revolution. He knew year after year after year that King Herod had killed his brother James at the sword. He's watched the Jewish leadership just come in and persecute and murder friends and people that believe and walk along with him. John, it actually says that he was boiled alive and he survived. This is the man that we're going to sit down and be able to download. And, and this is what John says to us when we sit down with him. He says this. He says, look at me. He just leans right across the table and he says, look at me. I was with Jesus. I experienced him. You know me. You trust me. So believe in Jesus because of me. He says, believe in Jesus because of me. And with that, John goes right in to give us this download on the one thing, the one thing that is probably the biggest for us to get, the one thing that when we don't get this, it fills our life with anxiety and stress, the one thing that when we have this, it actually creates joy and peace in our life. It's the one thing that as a counselor, they taught us over and over, look for this, look for this, look for this. And it was this, perception of reality. See, John's saying, I wanna know if you can understand what is real. And if you can't understand what is real, I wanna know, can I get you to understand what is real? So just a little, a little test for us this moment. So I wanna, I wanna take a quick check for you guys to see perception of reality. And do you have low moments of reality or maybe high moments of reality? So think about this for a second. You've had low moments of reality. If you have ever said, you know, we could actually use another place to shop or buy a burger around here. How about, how about, you've had low moments of reality if you've ever thought, this is all their fault. They've gotta be the one to change. You've had low moments of reality if you've ever said, I never catch a break. This kind of stuff, this kind of stuff always happens to me. Even if it always happens to you, the fact that you're thinking that it always happens to you, it's a low moment of reality. And my favorite growing up in Kentucky is, is hey, 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 watch this. And then anything that happens after that is a low moment of reality. <laughs> See, what John's saying is, we've got to have a high perception of reality, right? And for those of you guys that laugh and are tracking with me, guess what? You've got a high perception of reality. Great job. For those of you that are wondering, hey, what has the last minute been all about? Just keep listening. 
Because John goes right into this because he wants us to understand this perception of reality. He wants to understand the perception of reality between our sin and Jesus, the things that lead us into darkness and the things that lead us into life. Let's look at verses five through 10. So verse five says, this is the message that we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Okay, I wanna stop here for a second. See, John is talking to this culture that really understood things through stories. They understood things through analogies. And so what John is trying to say is that light and darkness, this great contrast that people would have got immediately. I mean, we get it today. If you go out and you see the sun, you're like light. And if you go into a dark room and you go dark. And so we can use light and dark to contrast two things. And what John is wanting to do is he wants to say that God is so light. He is light. He goes all the way back to Genesis where it says God is light. And then he says, anything else that's keeping us from that light, it's darkness. That's our perception of reality. And so then John goes on to say that if we say we have fellowship with him, meaning Jesus, while we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. Verse seven. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, and remember, this is God's truth, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But if we say that we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So the big principle, the grandfather John's leaning across the table through these five verses and wanting us to get today is this that we need to stop kidding ourselves about the presence of sin and we need to start focusing on the love of Jesus. These five verses, this whole setup of the first book is John's leaning across and he's just saying, if you don't get anything else, get this. Stop kidding yourself about the presence of sin and start focusing yourself on the love of Jesus. So I want to start to unpack that first one for us. Stop kidding yourself on the presence of sin. If we look back at verses 6, 8, and 10. He says, if we say we have fellowship, if we're talking about it, if we're portraying like we have fellowship with him, but we're walking in darkness, we're walking in sin, then we lie. We don't practice any truth. And if we say we have no sin, meaning I've never had sin in my lifetime, there has never been sin. You may think that, but again, low perception of reality, you're deceiving yourself. The truth isn't in you. And if we say that we've not sinned, what he's saying there is, if like today, yesterday, the day before that, most recently, I've not sinned, we make him, Jesus, a liar, and his word is not in us. See, to Jesus, sin is horrible. And John is just concerned about our believer's perception of sin. If we're a believer and we claim to follow Jesus, he's just worried about our perception of sin. And he says that anything that is not hitting the mark of a complete joy with God is sin. Every time you see sin used in the Bible, every time we see it used in Scripture, it's not hitting the mark of complete joy with God. And if we look back through John's words, the reality is that Jesus doesn't say that on this earth we will have no sin. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to understand what to do with sin. So let me give just a few examples of maybe just some possible everyday occurrences of sin in our work and our relationships and in our life. Right at work, you and I, we can sin if we've ever had that one notion of twisting just a little bit of something 
to make it out where maybe I did do that report, maybe I didn't. Maybe I hit that deadline, maybe I didn't. Right, at work, if we've ever stepped into any kind of conversation where somebody's talking about somebody else and we just happened to join in or we were complicit in whatever they were talking about at work, maybe we have sinned. If you've ever taken any piece of copy paper and you didn't give 10 cents to the, to the uh, finance person for it, you've sinned. Okay, that was funny. That didn't work. Let me cross that out for you. All right. Don't use that one. Okay. In relationships, how about this? In relationships, right, you and I can sin or we can miss the mark of complete joy in our life and in our relationships if we've ever said anything out of anger, if we've ever said anything out of hurt, if we've ever said anything or done anything out of jealousy. Parents, if you've ever, ever, right, had that moment where you remember your parents telling you, I hope they turn out just like you, and they did, chances are you just sinned in your response to them. Okay, that wasn't funny either. All right, cross that one out. And in our life, right, in our neighborhoods, right, if, if we've sinned or missed the mark of complete joy in our life, if we've ever coveted, looked at, wanted, desired something else that somebody else has or someone else that somebody else has, then that's, that's sin, and whether we've done it knowingly or whether we've done it unknowingly, Jesus says it's present. And there's so many other smaller things. And what John's just wanting to do with us here in these first 10 verses, he's just wanting to open up our perception and say, it's not the sin, but it's what we do and what we believe about it. And if you're not aware of these things in your life, you're living in darkness. You know, for some of us, John may actually look at us and he may say, you know, it's kind of like this. I'm gonna give you a couple of analogies. It's kind of like this. For some of you guys, it's like you're walking around and your eyes are closed. Like you are walking in created darkness. And this is really scary up here for me to have my eyes closed, right? So you're walking around in, cre- oh yeah, come back. You're walking around in created darkness. And what it looks like for you is it's like, okay, I, I, I just don't wanna deal with that. I just don't wanna, I don't wanna look at that. I don't wanna know about that. Even though it's there and I kinda know, ooh, I just don't wanna, hmm, not for me, not right now. And you end up avoiding things that are going on in your life. And actually what you're even doing is you're avoiding the things behind the thoughts, the feelings, and the actions because your eyes are closed and you just keep saying, I don't. I just don't wanna look at that. I just don't wanna deal with that. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't slept with anybody. I haven't done anything wrong. And you just say, I don't wanna do it. And so what ends up happening is, is the sin of pride is what's coming up in your life. You know, when Joey talked about this a few weeks back, he actually, in uh, the first series, or the first part of our series, The Games People Play, great, great message on pride. Would absolutely recommend going back and listening to that. That is an amazing message because it's the one thing that John's saying is your perception of reality may be that you're walking around and your eyes are closed and you're creating your own darkness. The second thing John may say is actually your eyes may be open but you, you're walking in darkness. Like there is literal darkness around you. You know, you guys know what it's like to walk in darkness. I mean, I did it last night. Whenever you're in one room and you need to get to the other room and you turn off the light and all of a sudden it's really pitch black and dark. Have you guys ever done that? Or am I the only one? Okay, I see some hands going up. Like what happens in that moment? As soon as that light goes out, you become like mission impossible. Like, okay, what's the schematics of my house? 
Where's the coffee table? Where's the chair? Where's the toy that he left? Where's the dog? I have no idea. Here we go. And in the next like five to 10 minutes going from one place to another, you become like a Cirque du Soleil performer. And you're like going through and you're figuring out, okay, where do I put this foot? And now where do I do this? And then, and all of a sudden you step on that one Lego that got left out and you have no idea, like no idea what that got there, but it shot like paint up through your body because you're trying to navigate in darkness. And then you get to the other place and you turn on the light and what happens? You look back and you're just like, Okay, what was, what was the problem? See, what John's saying is, that's physical darkness, just like our mental, emotional, and spiritual darkness that we walk in on a daily basis. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we're walking in darkness. We're mentally trying to navigate all of these different things, and we're trying to, to not bump into or navigate around. And what ends up happening is we end up bumping into disappointment. We end up, we end up stumbling over rejection and abuse that we've experienced in our life. We end, up, we end up kind of crashing over any addictions or substance use. I mean, the things that are around us that are truly darkness that we find ourselves in. And maybe sometimes you've, you've reached out and you've tried AA or you've tried to go to a counselor in hopes that it would be light, in hopes that they could turn on the light for you but, but it just doesn't work and you're, you're stuck in darkness to the point that actually what ends up happening is that you come to a place where you're comfortable with the darkness. You're able to be in the darkness and you're comfortable with the darkness. And so then after a certain period of time, you can navigate around all the different things that are going on in your life, right? You can navigate all of the different things in your past about pride and, and you know, hurt and abuse and shame and guilt, things that have happened. You're able to get around it. And you're able to navigate through it all. But what ends up happening is you become comfortable in the darkness. And you know, what John's saying today is what I've seen so many times. As a pastor, as a counselor, as a friend, when I see these two things walk in the room, when I see the person who's got their eyes closed walk in the room, when I see the person who is walking in darkness walk in the room, John's saying, for Jesus, he sat with both as well. And he saw both, and he was able to, in grace and compassion and love, sit with both in sin and to be able to say very quietly, but very directly, we've got to stop kidding ourselves about the presence of sin. And you've got to start focusing on my love for you. See, let's look at what it says in verses 7. And nine, in verse seven it says, if we walk in the light, again, if we walk with Jesus, as he is in the light, we have fellowship, we have community, we're known by one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us, doesn't condemn us, doesn't criticize us, doesn't try to control us. It cleanses us from sin. And it says, if we can then confess our sins, he is what? Say this word with me, faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, something my wife and I say to one another a lot, and something I found myself saying a lot as a counselor is, if you'll bring it into the light, whatever it is, if you'll bring blank into the light, it'll shrivel up. It'll lose its power. If you bring it into the light, it'll shrivel up. It'll lose its power because light is so powerful. Light is so powerful. We could be on a stretch, flat stretch for a mile, and there could be a candle, and your human eye will be able to pick it up just like that. 
right? Light is so powerful that hospitals use UV light to sanitize things and to clean away like microorganisms that, you know, could kill us and could make us sick. Um, Dentists uh, try to use UV light to clean away the coffee stains on our teeth. Coffee joke. Bang. Right, from our teeth. And what ends up happening is, right, they clean and it cleanses and it's faithful to clean us. Right? Light is so powerful that for us as a, as a counselor, what we do is for people with depression, we actually can recommend light for them, light boxes for major depression or for, um, they call them seasonal affective disorder, people who, because of darkness and because of everything, they all the way kind of have this need for light in their life. Also, vitamin D from the sun, like our bodies crave light. It craves vitamin D. It craves for our bones to be able to grow. So parents, you're welcome. Just tell them that the counselor pastor at church said, get outside and play. It's good for your bones. Get some vitamin D, right? Just go. Just send them outside. Um, Because light is so important. So if your eyes are closed and you're walking in this man-made, this self-made darkness, just open your eyes. Walk in the light and be real about what's going on. If you're walking in mental, this emotional, this spiritual darkness, John's just saying, I know who the light is, and I want to show you Jesus. And you may be thinking, Jason, I hear all this. This is, you know, this is fine, but you have no idea how dark my life is. You have no idea the things that I struggle with. You have no idea the things that I wrestle with. And so here's what I want to say. It's like, just think about Jesus. Think Jesus with like night vision goggles. Have you guys ever seen night vision goggles? Night vision goggles not only work with a speck of light around you that you may never see. But they also work with things that that we can't see, right? They work on infrared light. They work on all different spectrums so that Jesus, who is light, Jesus, who understands who light is, he understands what light is. He can look into the darkest of places and be able to come in. He sees everything to rescue you out of that. And here's the thing about that, because Jesus has gone into the darkest of places to rescue us out. It's what the cross, it's what the burial, it's what the resurrection are all about. The gospel is all about a God who went into death and went into darkness to rescue us and to bring us into this vibrant and joy of life. And so when we're asked to walk in the light, the first step is to stop kidding ourselves about the presence of sin and to begin focusing on the love of Jesus which means we have to first and foremost, what John is saying to us today is, you have to focus on Jesus. John says in his gospel, in verse 316 and 17, it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not condemn the world, but he wanted to save the world through his son that God so loves us. The story today is not about the sin. We have to be real about the presence of sin. The story today is to be real about the presence of Jesus and his love, that God so loved us that he came for us in the midst of whatever darkness we're walking in so that we could have light. A couple of weeks we're gonna see in 1 John 3, 16, that John also says once again, just to remind us of this point, by this we know love, by this we know love, that he, meaning Jesus, gave himself up for us. He gave himself up for us. He gave himself up for us. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, that it's a lamp to our feet 
and it's a light to our path. So the first thing for us today, what John is talking about, if we're going to walk in the light, the thing we have to walk in is scripture about Jesus. We have to walk in scripture about Jesus. We have to read and examine 1 John each day. That's why we wanted to do this Bible study, to have us every single day focus on one chapter, to dig into it and to understand everything we possibly can about this man, Jesus, who John says, I know and I've experienced. And then along with that, walking in the light, we have to be able to confess. We have to be able to confess. In verse nine, it says that we need to confess our sins. And we, first, we have to confess it to Christ, and then we have to confess it to one another. So we first have to confess it to Christ. John's not saying that you should live life with no sin. That's not what he's saying. That's not reality. John is saying, what are you gonna do with the sins that you know? And if you're like, Jason, I have no idea what those sins are. I have no idea. Literally, I literally am sitting here and wondering what sin is going on in my life. Here's what I would say. Look at the stress. Look at the anxiety. Look at the frustration. Ask the people that are closest to you. Where do you see stress? Where do you see frustration? Where do you see things that I'm worried about? And what will happen is the Holy Spirit will go through those things to show you the ways that you're reacting, the thoughts that you have, the emotions that you have, the actions that you have. John's wanting to say, go to those places that you're crammed full of, and I want to cram you with life in Jesus. And if you're then not sure who that you could talk to, if you're like, Jason, also, I know these sins, but I don't know who to talk to, here's what I want you to do. Email sgibbs at stonecreekchurch.org. No, I'm serious. No. As a church at Stone Creek, I cannot think of another place where we strive. We don't always get it right, but where we strive to try to come alongside of you and to bring truth and a place that is healing. And so email me, Go through the app, go through the website, submit a care form, just click prayer, pastor to follow up, and let us know. We would love, I would love personally to come alongside of and to talk with you. Because here's the one thing that we learned in counseling school. All of the counselors, all of the interventions, all of the techniques, all of the styles, anything that you could possibly imagine having in counseling, there is one thing above everything that has the most impact on someone's life. It's what they call this therapeutic relationship. Basically, a really fancy word that I paid a lot of money for that just says, create a space for people to share their hurt. Create a space for people to share their hurt. And church, Jesus wants to be that space. John's saying here, no matter what you're hearing, no matter what you've heard, no matter what you think about him, Jesus wants to be that space. He wants to be just to forgive. And as a church, we want to be that space to forgive. And here's one last thought for you. When we turn on the light and when we start to expose things, it can hurt. Just this morning, laying there, five o'clock, my wife reaches over and turns on the light. And it is like daggers to my eyes. How many of you guys have ever experienced that? Like when you're sitting in a dark room and all of a sudden somebody flips on a light, it's like all of a sudden there's this pain. Somebody's like over here waving her arm like, me, tell him to stop doing that. You know, and there's crying and moaning and my wife's like, Jason, shut up, right? And she's just like, it's just light. And that's what happens. I don't wanna downplay this. I don't wanna minimize this. That's what happens in our life. What happens in our life is when we start to expose these things, when we start to walk in light, when we start to confess, what will happen is we will feel some pain. There will be some pain but only for a moment. 
then what starts to happen as we adjust to walking in the light is we start to see things we've never seen before. We're able to experience things we've never experienced before. We're able to understand things we've never understood before because of light. And as we close, I want to give us just one thing, one repetitive thing that can hopefully kind of glue this to you, uh, together for you as we're going through this week. Okay, and it's this. Whenever you turn on a light this week, think about it right now. First thing in the morning, in your kitchen, in your bedroom, in your bathroom, conference room, phone, wherever there's light, whenever you turn on a light, think these two things and say them to yourself, more Jesus, less sin. Every time you turn on a light, every time this week when you turn on a light, think more Jesus, less sin. Not no sin, not did I live a perfect day? Am I gonna live a perfect day? Am I not gonna sin at all? That's not what John is trying to get us to say. That's low perception of reality. High perception of reality is today, can I put my focus more on Jesus? Can I read First John? Can I study about him? Can I apply things to my life? More Jesus, less sin. That's what we wanna be thinking about as we turn on lights this week. So repeat after me. More Jesus, less sin. More Jesus, less sin. Every time you turn on a light this week. Because church, this is what we have to do. We have to stop kidding ourselves about the presence of sin. And we have to start focusing on the love of Jesus. Let's pray. And Father, thank you for this time today. Thank you for this opportunity to be able to come and just share just things that I know I find troubling and, and I struggle with on a, on a daily, on an hourly basis. Uh, but Jesus, when I focus on you in that moment, when I think more Jesus, less sin, I stop kidding myself about the presence of sin in my life and I start focusing on your love and I start confessing things to you that I, I talk to myself and I beat myself up about. Jesus, you open my eyes. You give me grace. You give me truth. You give me compassion. Jesus, I pray that over our church today. Like as a, as a counselor, as a friend, as a husband, as a son, like I pray that for everybody in here today that are children and spouses and fellow believers. Man, I just, I want us to walk in light. I want us to confess to one another the things that are going on. And Jesus, I want us to have a life crammed full of joy, crammed full of peace. Because Jesus, I know that you can do it because I believe John and I believe what he says and I believe you and what your word says. And Jesus, I want that for myself, for my wife and for our church. And I ask it all in your name and your name alone. And all God's people said, amen.